Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> I'll be reading uh, Romans 6, chapter 6, uh, 1 to 23. Uh, hopefully you don't fall asleep. It's kind of lengthy. Uh, uh, Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him, but, but by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our Lord, that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of, the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has the meaning over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as, to, as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not, do, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thank be to God that you who were once, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented yourself, your members, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit? Were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And this is our verse, last verse, 23, which is going to be the focus. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In, Christ, in Jesus our Lord. Um, 
So the last verse, the wages of sin is death, and, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Uh, um, MacArthur describes the wages, and, and, I, and it sounds, I like the way it sounds. Um, wages is something you deserve, some, uh, something you deserve because you have earned it, because you work for it, therefore you are entitled to these wages. And this is in regards to the wages of sin. Um, if you work for me and I decided not to pay you, uh, you would be angry because I, didn't, I wouldn't give you what you work for, right? And um, so basically the wages of sin is hell. That's what the first portion of uh, verse 23, it's um, a painting, a picture of. Um, and notice the, um, something that they have uh, similar, uh, the wages of sin and the gift of God. They're both, uh, they're both eternal, and there's work done in both of them. On the first one, we work for the wages of sin. On the second one, the free gift of God is uh, Jesus did all the work for us on the cross. Um, and uh, we see it as, it's described as a free gift. I, I, I don't understand why it's free. If it's a gift, it's, it's, it's free. If, if the gift is for sale, it's not a gift, the way I see it, but go figure. Um, uh, but the point here is uh, there's nothing free. It might be free to you, but there's some labor done all the time on a free gift or on a gift, some sacrifice somewhere, perhaps some bleeding and beating and even death in this case that we're talking about. But the gift does not come from nothing. Okay? It, um, it, in this case, it came from a great sacrifice. And that's, you know, there is a sacrifice always. Um, where, when there is a gift, there is always a sacrifice somewhere along the lines. Uh, we might not be aware of it, kind of like when you send... Um, food to Africa and it, the trucks show up and they just deliver the food. It might be free to them, but there was a bunch of folks that actually worked and uh, donated to these companies who send money to um, places like Africa uh, to feed the children and, and the poor. Uh, they're not aware of the uh, labor that takes place within, um, within the beginning of that task towards the end where they just receive it and they pay nothing for it. Um, and in regards to this uh, free gift, uh, when you, um, I was thinking about this, when you begin a relationship with a, a woman, uh, there is deception there, there is lies, and there's many other issues. But when you begin a relationship with the Lord, there's no deception, there's no lying, there's no such thing, because there's no error in him. He is perfect. And, and, you know, the question this morning is, one of the questions is, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you have this gift that we are looking at right now? And God is not responsible whether we, um, whether you are, he's not responsible to examine whether you are his or not, okay? He chose us before the foundation of the world according to Ephesians 1, 4. Um, John chapter 10, there's three verses there, uh, Verse 4, when he, uh, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's another question. Do you know his voice? In chapter 10 also, John chapter 10, uh, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. 
Do you know him? That's another question that we need to ask ourselves. Uh, verse 27, chapter 10 still. My sheep hear my voice. This is our favorite. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Another question, do you follow him? Um, Romans 8, 14. For all who are led, being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And that's another question. Are you his? Um, this is very similar to what I was uh, uh, teaching last year, uh, exactly last year, May 19th. Uh, it's, it's in regards to people claiming to know God, and they live a life that does not actually show that these people are Christians or that they know God. They, they in fact, don't understand Christianity um, because they're doing one thing and they're saying another. It's just totally different. Um, so there's false, fake converts, per se. Uh, John 8:31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word or if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Um, this, to me, is, uh, implies that there's fake disciples, people that think that they're believers, but they're not. Uh, we see that in... Um, Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name did many mighty works? These folks were very sure that they were on the right path and Jesus just tells them that he doesn't know them. But these guys were very sure about it. And, um, and we, need to be, we need to examine ourselves, something that I talked about very highly last year. Um, and one of the things that uh, I think one of the best things that happens to a Christian man is, is death. Um, some might say that it's salvation. I, I think it's death uh, because how can salvation be the best thing that happens to, to a man when you still got to live in this body, sinful body? But when you die, that's like the greatest thing. To me, I think that's the greatest thing that will happen to me. I don't have to be here. I don't have to deal with a lot of things in this world. Um, and it's only getting from bad to worse. So I think death would be the best thing that happens to a Christian man, okay? Not an unbeliever. This is the worst that happens to an unbeliever. This is the best for the unbeliever. Um, and, you know, when, when you become a believer, um, we think that uh, life is going to get better, but... It, it gets, it's not better, it's different, okay? Now, that, now you have a purpose. Uh, when, when you have troubles, when you have any issues, you know where to go to. You know, you know you're not alone. Um, as an unbeliever, you will realize that your friends are only your friends when they need something from you. Uh, but when you are in need, they're probably not going to be around, okay? For the believer, God is always there, okay? We can always turn to him for anything, absolutely anything. And... Um, And so one of the things when you become a believer, it's uh, um, a, little, a little war begins within ourselves, within us, that um, we, uh, we start to see uh, our sinful nature. It becomes more noticeable to us. Uh, you know, and it, it kind of it becomes a little, uh, a little bit of a problem 
because now we know what sin is and we know that God hates sin and we know that we are sinners. Um, and also at the same time, it makes you realize how much you need Christ um, as you see all these things. So, and if it doesn't make you realize how much you need Christ, then you have a bigger issue, right? Um, and I was thinking about when, uh, when people get divorced, how they, they don't want their children Sundays only, or they don't just, they want full custody. So they, they go to court and they fight for their kids because they want full custody, not Sundays only. And in the same way, I was thinking how when you get divorced, per se, from the world and you become a child of God, and I was thinking, do you, do you really think that he wants Sundays only? And the truth is that he, he wants full custody, not, not partial, not part-time Christians, per se, uh, I mean, you can't belong to Satan Monday to Saturday and then you're at church on Sunday and vice versa. You know, you, you have to be either here or, or here, but you can't be on both places. And if you are entertaining both ideas, you know, trying to experience perhaps, um, yeah, it, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, we can't be, we can't, we cannot be part of the world when we are trying to reach the world. As MacArthur says, MacArthur says uh, we have to leave the world to reach the world. And in regards to, um, you know, examine yourself, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, um, if we examine ourselves within the scripture, not within our own personal opinions, but within scripture. And I was thinking about 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him and while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin the uh, and looking at the verse six if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. So we walk in darkness, we lie, and we don't practice the truth. I, I was thinking about it was a double whammy, but it sounds like a triple whammy. You're walking in darkness, you're lying, and you're not practicing the truth. And, and this is talking about this walk here. It's talking about a, um, an, an ongoing type of life. The, the, the Greek words is uh, peripateo, which peri is just around, pateo is just walk. So it's an ongoing walk. In darkness, it's not talking about something that just happened randomly. Okay, it's something that just keeps on going and going. And that the same, the exact same word "walk" peripateo is being used on um, verse four uh, that I read, Romans six four, where it talks that uh, we too might raise from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, so that we too may walk in newness of life. And this walk in units of life, it's talking about an ongoing walk, okay? Not something that there was a transformation and nothing new is happening anymore. It's an ongoing. And so that's... Um, at the same time, so first, uh, John, so if we say we have fellowship, I like that word too, fellowship, it's koinonia. It's, it, I like the word partnership. Here's just fellowship. It also means partnership. Uh, but imagine that, to have partnership with him. Um, and so this is, um, you know, 
the, this free gift, it, it's in regards to uh, God, man, hang on a cross, who, who died and resurrected. That exactly is what generated this uh, uh, free gift, you know, eternal life for us, uh, so that you and I can have eternal life. Um, John 12, 23, 25. Um, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This, uh, this grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, but it... But, it, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And I, this verse always reminds me when, when I was a kid in Mexico. Um, uh, in school, they would give us this bean. Uh, uh, we, would put it, we would plant it. And then, like, uh, I don't know, a few days later, the seed, the bean would fall apart. And this root, this, um, this little plant would start growing out of it. So I always think of this. Uh, Bible verse when I when I remember of um, of those days back when I was a kid in Mexico, and uh, maybe that's why they call us binners, right? But <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's um, you know just to to remember how um, Jesus Christ died on a cross, but that actually uh, you know this free gift came from that cross, from that sacrifice, and um, this um, this week I've been praying for. Time management. I told my wife, I don't know how I got myself into this or why is, why is God doing this, where I need to prepare for this. And the closer I get to it, the more busier I get at work. And, and there's no time. And I'm like, okay, I need to pray more. And, and more and more I prayed, and I need to manage my time properly. I try to leave work to get home, have dinner, and then get back to it. And it just, the next day I get to work, and there's more work where I don't want to go home because I want to, I, I want to perform my job properly, and I'm just praying about it. So, like, around Tuesday, Tuesday, um, it's 5.30 or something like that, and I'm thinking, ah, okay, should I go home? I, got, I could do two more systems, maybe three more systems, set them up, and, and then go home. But it's already, like, 5.30. People go home at 5.30, right? And uh, I thought... Okay, I'm just going to stay and probably work on, on three more setups and, and then go. And, and I'm praying for time management, and I'm preparing to actually work longer, okay, rather than just picking up my stuff and going home. And I say, I'm like, okay, let's, I'm just going to finish this up. And the power goes out of the building. <laughs> it, was, it was like, okay, this is not good. So the alarm went off. I went to the parking lot where we meet in case of an emergency. And I'm just waiting there, and I'm still considering to go back to work. And I'm like, okay, 5.30, how long are they going to keep us here? I want to go back in there. I still want to go back in there and finish the systems when I should be going home to, to do this. And the, one of the janitors shows up at the parking lot. He goes, hey, uh, the power went out on the whole block. And I'm like, really? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> so I just got in my car and, and went home. But... Certain things need to happen sometimes because of our focus, our disobedience, per se. And, uh, you know, you pray for something and you don't 
take action on that which you have prayed for, um, that your power has to be shut off so that you actually carry on with what you should be doing, right? Um, but we are busy. I mean, in my case, it's not made in, it's not about, you know, money, making money. For me, it's, uh, I enjoy what I do at work. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's something that I could probably do all day. Um, and that's not the case for everybody. For some people, it's um, making money, making more and more money. It's just they never get enough of it, um, and they never get rich, right? And not that God is against rich people. He's, he doesn't oppose wealth. We know that. Um, we, uh, we see uh, 1 Samuel 2.7 says, The Lord makes poor and makes rich. <laughs> um, so it's not against those things, but when we have things and we misuse these resources, uh, you know, now he's against those things. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, it says, um, As for the rich in this present age, command them or charge them not to be idle, not to, nor, to nor, nor to set their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, the rich, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. But there is a list of things for the rich, okay? Now, the rich is many of us here. The rich is regarding to those who have more than what they need, okay? Well, this is not talking about millionaires. If it said millionaires, then we would all be excluded probably from this. But it's talking about the rich, those of us who have more than what we need. And so, you know, just, I just wanted to talk about that because um, we do get stuck on things. We get sucked out of our walk with Christ because of uh, things like this that we get, um, you know, pulled out of. And, you know, Satan wants us to trust our own judgment, our, our judgment, you know, he wants us to believe in ourselves, not on God. Um, that's, that has been his focus from the beginning. And just like he did with uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, he managed to convince these folks. And then as a result, sin. But, you know, we, we are taught through the Bible that we are not good people. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not on ourselves, right? With all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your path. And, you know, we don't, we don't, we're humans, right? Our, uh, our natural limitations. Uh, and I believe that we don't fully understand God's uh, love, grace, mercy, holiness, or wrath, for that matter. We don't. We can understand it on a human level, but we don't understand it as the way God sees all of these attributes. And, You know, the, the, the focus here is, uh, do we know God? Do we know who he is? Um, like if I ask you, I mean, I, I know not all of you come here to this church, but if I ask you how many of you know my wife, you know, and you would probably say 
many of you would probably say, oh, I, I know Shelly. And I would probably, I could easily say, you don't know her. You know the face, you know the person that comes in here, but you don't know what makes her sad or happy. You know, you don't know her internally, like things about herself. And um, we need to be sure about the God that we are um, praying to, the God, the, the Jesus that we supposedly follow, if we follow. I'm assuming that, you know, we, we, we know him, but uh, that's not the case all the time. We, we think that we're doing the right thing, but yet once we leave this place, probably this evening, uh, we're gonna, what are we going to be doing? Is it going to be something godly, ungodly? Are we going to be work, walking in darkness, as we read? Or are we going to be walking in the light? Um, I know that commands are really easy to, to read, but they're very difficult to obey. And we're all going to die, but when you die, are you sure you're going to go to heaven? There can, you can, there can be no doubt here, folks. There should be no doubt. If there is, you need to turn and repent. You need to cry out to the Lord. Um, if you're in doubt, this is a great time to, to be careful, to examine yourselves, and, and to think, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? If you're in doubt and you do nothing about it, there will be a time where it'll be too late. Let's say you, let's say you die tonight, or I know that sounds like not too good, right? Let's say I die tonight. Where would I go? Am I in doubt? I'm not. I'm not in doubt. But the same question goes to you. Where would you go? Would you be in heaven tonight? Let's say today you, t you just took like uh, Tim Keller. Yesterday took his last. He died. Died of cancer yesterday. Um, I just said that because he looks like David Bolton. So I said David, uh, uh, Tim Keller. Yeah, so he died of cancer yesterday at 72 or something like that. Um, I can't remember. And um, think of that, you know, where will you go if you die tonight? Okay. We're all important um, in the sense that if we claim to be Christians, we need to be walking according to, you know, what we are learning from Scripture. Um, I know we have seen all of these Bible verses that I read. Um, it's something that we do here every Sunday. Um, some of it Pastor Steve used on uh, Sunday. Uh, he was talking also about uh, it's difficult for him, um, you know, for this stuff. He says, sometimes I have to read the book five times. Brother, you have no idea. There is dumb and there is dumber. For me, it takes a lot more than that. Seriously, it's very difficult. So I think what makes it more difficult for me is that it, it's, it's not an easy task. Um, I don't know that it is for me to stand before a crowd and teach. Uh, do I feel joy out of, this, out of God's word? I do. I do. But for some people, it comes easy. For some of us, it doesn't. You guys seen Mario up here. He's just chopping it up, and he's like just going through everything. And, and I'm just like, I, I don't know how he does it. Some people are good, you know, standing in front of a crowd. This is not the guy. Um, but this is what I wanted to share today. It's short, nothing major, just a reminder um, you know, of 
who we are in Christ? Are we really in Christ? Are we going to heaven if we die tonight? Or are we going to hell? Or are we in doubt? You know, whichever you conclude out of all those three is great. If you know that you're going to hell, that's good because you're still in time to repent and call out to the Lord for repentance. If you know that you're going to heaven, that's great because you're sure of where you're going. But if you're in doubt, that's good news because you're still in time, just as the unbeliever who has confirmed that he's going to hell. Okay? So this is what I wanted to share today. It's short. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for Men's Breakfast, for this uh, ministry that Mario keeps on going on with, and uh, we thank you for his uh, faithfulness. We, uh, we do pray, Father, that we would uh, confirm our calling, that we would confirm our Christian walk, as we have heard this morning, that, we'll be, that we will be sure about what we are practicing, what we are doing as Christians, that there will be no doubt, Father, that if we're going to see you face to face, that if we're going to die one day, that we will be with you. Father, and if today we take our last breath, just like Brother Tim Keller did yesterday, um, we pray, Father, that we would not be in doubt. I know that nobody wants to die, but everybody wants to go to heaven. And Usually that's the process to come and be with you, Lord. The process to, to die. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's, it's just cancer, years long of uh, sickness. Uh, many of us, we wish we could just go to sleep and never wake up. A painless death. But we do praise for your grace and mercy for when our time comes, Father, to die and to be with you. Lord, we, we ask that you would exercise that grace on our uh, departing from this world, Lord. And I pray that we would know that we are only left here on earth to share the good news with others, not only here in the church, but um, that we would be good instruments, um, your tools outside of this place, Lord, whether it be at work, at home with family members, unbelievers. I do pray for uh, all of our uh, unbelieving family members, friends. I pray for... Uh, Catholic family members, my parents, my in-laws, in my case. And Lord, I ask that you would open the door, that you would actually just use us, uh, that we would share the gospel with these folks. We know that we save nobody. We have no authority to save or power to save, but you do, Lord. You died on a cross. You pay for the sins of not only my sins or my brothers here, but the sins of the whole world. So, Father, I pray that you would uh, watch over us and uh, help us that we may continue to grow in this Christian walk. And I ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the only Lord and Savior. Amen.